Happy Easter, y'all. I'm so glad you're joining us on this day of days as we celebrate the resurrection of King Jesus. Now, when I say King Jesus, I've had some people over the years that said, Pastor Scott, why do you call him King Jesus? Because he's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But he, in America, we kind of have trouble with that vernacular of a king. We, we have presidents here. We, we have representation here. We don't have kings. But I want to trace this with you and then talk about King Jesus and talk about, well, let me put it this way. When Tara and I lived in Canada, and we lived there for over five years, <clears throat> we had the opportunity to become Canadian citizens. And that was kind of cool offer. The uh, Jason Kenney, who's now the premier of, the, uh, of Alberta, the Providence, kind of like the governor, but they don't have states. They have provinces, and they don't have governors. They have premiers. Anyway, he's the premier of Alberta. He was the minister of immigration. And Jason offered Tara and I the chance to become Canadian citizens. Now, we would not have to give up our U.S. citizenship, but we'd have an addendum. We would have Canadian citizenship as well, which is pretty cool to have, you know, dual citizenship. So I asked him, I said, well, what would it take for us to become Canadian citizens? He said, well, you'll have to pass a test about Canada, the history of Canada. It's not hard. I kind of already knew that. He said, then you'll have to pledge allegiance to the Queen. I went, what? Pledge allegiance to the Queen? He goes, yeah, because, you know, we are part of the, the, the British Commonwealth, and we, uh, we pledge allegiance to the Queen. And I said, no, nah, i got a problem with that. You see, as an American, we bled the ground red to be free from the tyranny of a monarch. And I thought about that, that Jesus bled the ground red that we would be free from the tyranny of sin. And Easter is all about King Jesus not wanting our allegiance, but our life, because he gave his life for us. Now, here at Easter, there's no greater opportunity to see Jesus as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The resurrection of Jesus, the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is the most accurately documented event of ancient history done so by historians who've recorded the account, by eyewitnesses, and by the movement of God, and the life changes currently happen because of the historical realities of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is more accurately do documented than any of the Caesars and their rules, by any of the, any of the past pharaohs of, of, uh, of Egypt, of any of the tyrants of Mesopotamia. He is the one who stands alone in history as the most accurately documented person. Now, but I need to say this to you. Jesus was not killed. What? Jesus wasn't killed. Jesus gave his life willingly. No one killed Jesus. He gave his life willingly for me. But in giving his life for me, that the hinge of history hangs on his empty tomb. Had Jesus not arose from the dead, on that first Easter morning, then history would not have recorded this miracle King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Paul said it this way to the church in Corinth. In fact, this passage here was the earliest creed the early church would say together in their corporate gatherings, probably from about uh, 39 uh, A.D. to around 44 A.D. Jesus died probably between 33 A.D. and 36 A.D., or even 30 A.D., so they, the times are not exact there. But this is one of the first creeds. Listen, if there's no re resurrection of the dead, 
then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is in vain. And so is your faith. Huh. Moreover, we are, we are found to be false witnesses about God because we testified wrongly about God that raised up Christ, whom he did, whom he did not raise up. In fact, if, it, we were, if we were dead, if not raised. For if the dead are not raised, even, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You're still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. If we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. But Paul flips and he said, but Christ has been raised. Now today, we're going to relive, relive the event and find ourselves in the account that Jesus is king, the king who brings peace, who brings life on this Easter Sunday. Father, thank you for what you're going to say to us as we look at the historicity and the reality of your resurrection. And I pray, Father, that we will find you in this, and we will find ourselves in this, and we'll live all for you because of this. We pray this in your son's strong name. Amen. I know many of you are joining us on Easter from maybe not a normal circumstance or situation. You're with family or you're with friends or perhaps you're watching it after the event of Easter Sunday. Welcome. Get in a group. Thank you for your generosity. I'm so glad you're here. Continue to track with us. and We'll continue to provide online content that will build your life that honors Christ. In fact, get on our mailing list, our email list, so we can send you content daily scripture readings, podcasts, blogs, other things that will encourage you throughout the week to help you live all for Jesus. But here on this Easter Sunday, we're going to celebrate who Jesus is. Now, we all love a conspiracy theory, don't we? We love it. And in fact, in these days, through Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and whatever hologram or Teddy Graham or whatever else we have, we spread these theories. So I want to give you some theories of the resurrection that have kind of haunted people throughout time. But I want to read this scripture. But tell me this, since we preach Christ rose from the dead, why are you some are still saying there's no resurrection of the dead? Why are we still propagating these theories? Now let me give you some theories of the resurrection. Here's the first one. The stolen body conspiracy theory. Now this is propagated by a, a movement of people that says Jesus really didn't Raised from the grave, his disciples came and stole the body. Now, it's a very interesting theory, a conspiracy theory, that the disciples, who were so scared they scattered, would come and attack a Roman garrison guarding the tomb, roll the stone away, steal the body and hide it, and nobody could find it. Really? Really? That's as crazy as some of the stuff we're hearing today about, well, a lot of things. I won't go into it, but stolen body. Here's the second theory. It's the missing body. When the Mary and the other women came to the tomb that day, and when, when Peter and John ran to the tomb, they just went to the wrong tomb. They found the wrong tomb. They went to the wrong tomb. It's like you came home drunk one night, you went to the neighbor's house instead of your own. Yeah, that's, that's the theory. Well, that's crazy. They kind of fully well knew where Nicodemus' tomb was. And, and, and they, they, Joseph of Arimathea's tomb, excuse me, Nicodemus was in on it. They knew where that was. They didn't go to the wrong tomb. But in order to dismiss the resurrection, people come up with great conspiracy theories or stupid ones. 
Well, here's the, this is my favorite, the swooned theory. Jesus didn't die on the cross. He merely passed out and was revived in the cool of the tomb. And then he resurrected. He came, you know, revived himself. Then he escaped. He rolled the tomb away. Now, somehow, with nails in his hands and in his feet, he found the ability to roll a tomb, a stone away, and to escape on foot. Really? I cut my hand on the chair I'm sitting on, and I could barely use it. How in the world am I going to take my nail-pierced hand and roll a stone away? How in the world? If I get a splinter in my foot, I'm incapacitated for a week. How in the world is Jesus going to be able to do this unbelievable feat of strength and of reviving after being completely beaten and dehydrated on the cross? It is stupid. But it gets better that Jesus not only resurrected, he escaped to France with Mary Magdalene where they got married and they had a baby and that child became the bloodline of the royal families of all of Europe. I feel like I need to put a hat with horns on my head. That's why it's crazy. But that's the theory of the swoon theory. Then there's the drugged body theory that Jesus didn't die. His disciples drugged him and he faked his death and he came back to life and he lived a life in obscurity in Upper Galilee. Then there was the twin, the twin body that literally Jesus didn't die, but he had a body double stand in for him. And he, that body double was actually crucified on the cross. Jesus wasn't. Have y'all ever watched Tom Cruise's Mission Impossible, you know, where they peel off the mask? You know, they look like somebody peel off the mask, and it's Tom Cruise who look like somebody peel off the mask. That's what this theory says. That's crazy. But that's what it teaches, conspiracy theories. And here's the last one. <laughs> I know you've loved this. There's the spiritual body. That, you know, the physical body of Jesus died, and the spiritual body, his ghost resurrected. Because that's what the Gnostics taught, that Jesus had a spiritual resurrection. The body is flawed and decayed, and he goes away, and the spirit rises, and it wasn't. The only problem was, how can a spirit body say, put your hands in my hands, put your hand in my side, have some fish, I'm eating with you, embrace me. It, just, it was a physical body resurrection. Now, all these theories that have kind of, kind of come up over time, the favorite one that the, the ancients believed, the Pharisees believed, was the stolen body. The disciples stole their body. And so all these disciples went to their grave knowing that this wasn't real. No. They were all martyred except for John. No, that, that didn't happen. There was a movement that changed all of humanity when, uh, based on a non-real thing. No. There were 500 witnesses to the resurrection of Christ because they stole the body. No. No. The truth is, Jesus has been raised again. And we celebrate that on Easter. The tomb is still empty. I've been there. I've seen it. It's empty. Empty. See, Jesus, King Jesus, is fully God and fully man, thus fully interceding for us, standing on our behalf. This theological truth of the God Jesus shapes everything we believe in. The resurrection of Jesus was not just a historical event, but a public declaration of his majesty. I heard someone say to me the other day in a disparaging way, well, you Christians build your whole theory off one miracle. Yeah, a dead gum resurrection. <laughs> Hello. You tell me, where's Gandhi's grave? Where's Muhammad's grave? Where's uh, Buddha's grave? 
Where's Confucius' grave? Where are the graves of the Hindu gods? Full. King Jesus is not there. He's raised again. See, Jesus is God and there's none like him. He's King Jesus and he knows your name. He knows who you are and he fully intercedes for you. He is the king of peace. Peace with God and peace with men. Peace with us. Peace with you. Peace with each other. Because he is risen from the grave. I had a guy call me the other day and he wanted to argue about the body, bodily resurrection of Christ and Christ being God. He said, how come it says in Scripture that no one has seen God and no one has seen God? But I said, it also says in Scripture, and we beheld his glory, glory full of grace and truth. You see, no one has seen God the Father, but we have been revealed God the Father through the revelation of Christ the Son who rose again and has ascended to the right hand. And now his spirit, right hand of God, now his spirit dwells in the hearts of those of us who have believed. He is King Jesus. You see, King Jesus brings us peace. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Peace was declared at his birth, and they confirmed at his resurrection. Declared and confirmed, he is the Prince of Peace. You see, our greatest need is forgiveness. Forgiveness then brings us peace with God. If our greatest need was education, he would send a teacher. If our greatest need was money, he would send an economist. If our, our greatest need was... Um, well, it was forgiveness. So we said a Savior. And the Savior forgives us from our sins. We have peace with God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be an offering for our sin, so we may be right with God through Christ. 1 Corinthians 5.21 Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5.1 And then we also have peace with ourselves. Do you ever stuff that just gnaws at you? regrets, hurts, habits, hang-ups. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, I can lay aside my brokenness and embrace his righteousness. Oh, that means anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has come. I am no longer a slave to sin. I am a child of God. I'm no longer defined by by who I once was, I am defined by to whom I belong. Because of the resurrection, because of Easter, there is hope for me, and not just hope, but the reality that I have been changed. All for Jesus. Wow. Wow. I'm leaving you a gift, Jesus said. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give you, so don't be troubled or be afraid. I bring you peace with God and with one another. Don't just pretend love each other. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring others. Because I have been forgiven because of the resurrection. That we become ministers of God's peace because we've received the gift of God's peace because of the resurrection of Jesus. And all of this is a gift of God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to himself. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting men's sins against them. And he has given us the wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ ambassadors, and God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we say, come back to God. 
Why? Because he's the resurrected king. And we declare that here at Easter. The greatest honor we could ever receive is to represent King Jesus and his resurrected life in us. Romans 10, it says this, But how can they call upon him to save them if they, if they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's what the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of the message who brings good news. How beautiful are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. Wow. This passage really means a lot to me because this passage was what Jesus used to call me to be a pastor when I was 15 years old. Because of the resurrection. Because the tomb is empty. Because he bled the ground red to win my freedom. I have no other king but Jesus. You see, Jesus made a grand entrance from a borrowed tomb, thus declaring he was before all time and will be through all time. He is King Jesus. Jesus ushered in his reign of peace. And how will you respond? How will I respond? I will not bow to the kings of this earth, but I will bow to this King Jesus, who's the king of heaven and earth. And as I bow to live in him, I too am resurrected to newness of life, a life of peace, a life of joy, a life of purpose, because the tomb is empty, all for King Jesus. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Will you give your life to this king who died for you? This king who wants to live in you? This king that you can live for? Not as a lowly servant, but as an adopted son or daughter? I have. And the greatest thing you can receive on Easter is not a chocolate bunny to bite off his ears, but the king, the risen king Jesus, living in your heart. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for what you've said to us in your word. And I pray, Father, that we will make this bold steps of trusting in you and declaring your victorious kingship over death and the grave, over sin and death, over hell to heaven. And Father, I pray that those in the sound of my voice who've never trusted you right now will say, Jesus, I'm yours. I bow my knee to King Jesus. Not to the kings of the earth, but to the king of heaven and earth the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And in bowing my knee, we accept your peace, accept your salvation, and we will live all for you. Thank you for your glorious resurrection. We celebrate on this Easter day. And we pray this in your son's strong name. Amen. Thanks for joining us uh, during this Easter, this Easter podcast. And, and we pray that God will bless you and keep you. Get in a group. Keep going with us. I love you, and I thank God for you. Happy Easter. Enjoy the day. Because Jesus, King Jesus, has risen from the grave.